So we've had several listeners reach out and ask for tips on how to start a podcast. When we started this journey over a year ago, finding a way to record and produce the podcast was at the top of our to-do list. Enter Zencaster, the ultimate web-based podcasting solution that allows you to record, produce, and publish studio-quality content all from one dashboard. It's now super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. Log in using your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. Record studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. Feel a sense of zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection's unstable. Have you ever worried what you sound like? Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound buttery smooth. It can automatically remove those ums and ahs in your recording, as well as those awkward pauses in conversation too. Set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with a click of a button. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use our code BTMM30 and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experiences we do for all our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story and happy podcasting. Hi guys, welcome back to Book Talk Made Me, the podcast where we talk about all your favorite books from Book Talk, Bookstagram, basically wherever you're getting a good book, we want to know and we're going to talk about it. Of course, we're your book besties, here to talk about anything you want, your thoughts and feelings, but I'm Caitlin, joined by my hosts Bridget and Hilda. Hi. Hi. And today's thoughts and feelings are on the latest Zodiac Academy book to drop. No, it's not book nine, the final installment. This is book what they are calling 8.5. So this is the bridging book between book eight and book nine. Still no release date on this bad boy yet. And this is similar to uh, the Zodiac Academy as told by the boys where you're getting a different perspective on events that have already happened. So majority of this book is the events that have happened on in book eight. But this one is called Beyond the Veil because we are talking about everyone who has perished and is on the other side from the living and seeing these events unfold. Now, guys, hold on, I gotta pull up my notes. So before we get into what happened on all of this book, and we'll give you the recap, our thoughts and feelings, of course, because, oh, I have them. Strong ones, in fact. <laughs> you know, if I'm coming in strong, it's, it's, gonna, it's gonna be something. We want to give some quick shout outs to some friends that dropped us some feedback and shared some thoughts with us. So thank you to Christina Sparkles for her review and her really great feedback she left us. We loved it and we're going we're gonna to do some of the things you mentioned. She also wants to be a fourth member of the pod and we say, you know what, girls, slide into our DMs. You never know and we'll have a guest appearance. Of course, you know where to find us, booktalkmademe underscore pod on Instagram. And Nazia K on IG who asked for our opinion on Throne of Glass and Girl. We can't wait for you to read it because Hilda gave you the best opinion. I, you know, I, you never know who you're going to pop into our DMs. And this one Hilda got to first. And she shared some great feedback that just made me want to, like, I don't, we don't, haven't officially scheduled this into our schedule, but I really want to get to it sooner rather than later, I'm thinking. See, the thing is, if we do it, I want to reread it again. And yes. that is a long book, That's even though I finished it very quickly. Fairly quickly the first time around. It is a sucks you into the universe 
It's very, you know, great world building, but it does take some time to get through. So it's a commitment. And well, I think I, I was just telling you guys what my last... mental capacity is there right now for this. No, but last week I was telling you guys that my mom finished the Throne of Glass series. I had recommended this to her, I think, I don't know, months ago. And 4th of July, we were talking about it. Uh, she had mentioned, she's like, oh, yeah, I just finished that book. And my other sister, Colleen, who you guys will know, she'd filled in for one bridge. It was on maternity leave during, I think, our first Zodiac, first or second Zodiac Academy. It was definitely the first our one. First. It was the first one. Uh, we're like crazy, animated, excited, talking about all the things. If you've read the series, you know there's a lot of things to talk about, things that make you laugh, things that make you cry, things that make your heart feel all kinds of ways. So it's just really fun to be like, hey, mom, now you can listen to the podcast when I cover those. And I will say, if you really love strong, badass female characters, Throne of Glass provides. That's like, it. She's it. it she's They're it. up there. All all of them. Like that little core group at the end of the book series. Mm-hmm. All the women in that book who are meant to be like heroines are. And they're so well written with like such depth to each character. And so diverse from each other. Because you know sometimes you get into a book series and you finally get some uh, several strong female leads and then they tend to end up being like the same version just like a slightly different seasoning absolutely they're very diverse in what they bring to the table <laughs> i'll just give a stink eye to that not a stink eye i'm like so are we talking like garlic parmesan but also lemon pepper wing yes type of thing i yes. was like what seasoning at the end of the day it's still a freaking chicken wing just with a little bit of a slightly different seasoning <laughs> Poor characters. They're like these badass women that did badass things. You're like, girl, you ain't nothing but a chicken wing with some lemon pepper on you. <laughs> it is what it is, and I'm sorry, but the truth she, hurts. She said what she said. At least you're tasty, girl. <laughs> with that, we would love to hear some additional feedback. So if you guys can hop over to Apple and if you listen on Apple uh, and leave us a review, we really appreciate it. It helps us improve in the rankings and help us find more friends that we can talk about all these great books with. So we really appreciate any time you guys can leave us a review. It makes our entire day so much better. With that, with the housekeeping out the door, let's talk beyond the veil. So I'm going to bring you – I off the bat, I give you guys the basic book info. It's book 8.5. And if you're wondering if you need a refresher on what happened in book 8 in Zodiac Academy because this is not a small series. She's an eight-parter. We still have more. I think I heard rumors of more novellas, so we'll see. But if you need a recap on book eight, I think we have two or three up, two or three episodes. We have on. one episode, which is mostly our thoughts and feelings. Oh, we said right. We would potentially we technically need to record the recap, but I know that our feelings on book Do eight doesn't to? necessarily make us want to. But we should, so we just have like the complete set. Well, we'll see what we can do. We'll see. So what you can go listen to our thoughts and feelings. I'm sure that'll tell you everything you need to know. Like I said, we don't have any word on the book nine release date. Now I was in the Zodiac Academy Reddit, so shout out to anyone who's in there, where people were speculating that they think it'll be a Christmas time drop, like they did for book seven and eight, book eight seven and eight. Yeah, both of them. Um, so we'll see. They <laughs> what, a, what a gift. They apparently released the first chapter as a pre-order gift, um, but you had to like sign up for it, and I didn't do that. I did pre-order, but I did not sign up for it. I did not. The motivation to do anything right now for the series is just low. Like, even read it, which Bridget did not do. (laughs) It is true. Hey, Pot, you're calling the kettle black because did you finish this one? 
No, I, you did not. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, thank you, Caitlin. I did not realize that she did not finish. So you I did not, not take I that not shade finish. and throw it back into you over there. You think you're on their sunshine, ma'am? <laughs> I got to 46%. And I got to 3%. So what now? So before we get any further, because we're going to circle back to these percentages, ladies, we just want to, I want to issue a very strong spoiler warning. If you haven't read book eight, do not come into this podcast because a lot of it is talking with some characters that may have passed on. So we don't want to spoil anything for you and ruin the heartbreak because, you know, what's the fun in that? So, you know, this is your spoiler warning. Listen no further if you have not read this series and do not want to be spoiled. So we're going to segue that into thoughts and feelings and why you were at the percentages we do. Now, let me just say off the bat, did I think that I would be the only one to finish this book? No, I thought it, sorry, I have a... <laughs> Is that marshmallow? (laughs) You have like a mini bonfire on your desk. Okay, so if you guys can't see it, we can see each other. I have picked up a Barbie, something of toys my daughter's left. It's a Barbie um, s'more. So it's like a little stick with s'mores on it. And I was just waving it around and pointing to everyone on the screen with it. It was like she looked like the little, um, not the little, the fairy godmother from Cinderella. Yep, so just using my Barbie toy. Yeah, it was like bippity boppity boom. Probably boop you into reading this book. Actually, don't because. But so, did I think I was going to be the only one to do it? I did not. I thought Hilda, the extreme lover of the Zodiac Academy, the one who brought us in, would have torn through this. So the fact that you got less than halfway through says a lot. And you know, I got FOMO. So the fact that I even finished it means a lot. Again, yeah. did I, I think I'd, I'd win? Bridget. No. I had to make they her did. not feel bad yesterday. I was like, it's fine. You're not missing out on anything. And I think Ugh. that is the major issue. You're not missing out on anything. And it's what, like 450 pages No, no, no. Or something? 500 something? She's just shy of 600. So Shut we'll up. get into thoughts and feelings right now. Because let me tell you, to, for this to be a bridging book, and it has the audacity to be less than 600 pages, I mean, over 500 pages, is it was too much. It was way too much. Now, I don't want it to ruin, you know, I know there's Zodiac Academy Love, on there we were them too it just feels like as of late as they start to wrap up this series the overwriting is becoming very apparent and whereas previous caitlin may have lapped this all up now it's just becoming a bit tedious so this was this was hard to read given the length of what was happening and how much was filler versus what actually moved the plot forward you know people have been like upset about the last couple of books they were saying it's because you know you get paid for pages on kindle and stuff like that and they're predominantly on kindle unlimited um that's where most of the readers are so people are like you need to stop doing this like stop pushing out all these books and prolonging the series just end it and move on to the next series i think the universe the fandom has split it really has because even in the the reddit again where i was i had very similar thoughts and feelings people were like i'm not going to read this i i don't know if i'm going to read it so maybe this is our i read it so you don't have to (laughs) there is no reason to read it look i love darius and i miss darius probably every other day of my life and the book opens up with his chapter and i was like oh this is great and then i was like i can't go through this again I can't go through the boohoo crying and shit from feeling sad about Darius's death. Mm-hmm. Not having it. Yep. I, in our notes, said that this is the pop-up video for book eight. So if you're an old, an elder millennial like myself, and you remember pop-up video where they give you like behind the scenes things into a music video, this is what this was. A lot of it was like- I, I want to agree with you, but also I feel like that's blasphemous to pop-up video. 
Because I loved pop-up videos. Like, I would watch pop-up videos. Me too. Just to get behind the scenes. I did not care about the behind the scenes. It is a great analogy, except for the fact that so she didn't care about it. The pop-up video, the pop-up video disc of this did not add anything significant. It would be something like, Darcy is battling Therix with Lance. And the, the POVs you're getting are from Hale... Asriel, Marissa, and they're like, you get him, girl. That's our strong girl. Yeah, you fight him. That's what I thought. I'm going to light this thing up so you can follow this path. Like, that's all it is. That's all it is. Is it giving me, inf- you know, plot, plot points? No, because they're dead. They can't tell them anything. So it was hard to constantly have the pop-up video going off of the same events we'd already read, like, r- recently, frequently. Yeah, we already uh, knew the outcome. Right. And not getting, just getting cheer squad. Like, that's, that's what was tough. Uh, also, I am personally not a fan of, I don't know what it's called. I call it the do-over trope. I don't know if it's an actual trope, but I think of it like, maybe it's the groundhog trope. So in the movie Groundhog Day, he wakes up and the same thing happens again and again. So when I have to reread a series where you know the outcome already and you're not getting much more to move it, the plot forward, it's really frustrating to me and I just, I don't, I have a hard time when reading When you get it. the other POV. Right. Like, so I struggled with, um, as told by the boys, because it was... The same concept where like I roughly know what happened, at least in that book, you got more of the motivation and the whys and some interesting thought stuff that gave made you think about why the boys acted the way they did because you didn't have those POVs before. Right. And I think I love that book and I will only mm-hmm. be able to read it once because you really do get that depth added into the heirs, especially Darius and how his father's hay and everything he's done from like the get-go and all the trauma and abuse that he's been through shaped him as the person he was when he met Tori. So yeah. And like why he was so conflicted during that whole thing. Mm -hmm. I actually prefer to read that version than the first one because the way that the pool scene is still to this day so hard to reread the drowning pool scene, not the Darcy and Orion pool scene. That's an excellent pool scene. Uh, but the drowning pool scene is so hard. But I feel like because you understand the boys' motivations, especially what happened to Xavier yeah. the day before, it makes it a little bit more palatable. That end, like, Max was egging him on, just being like, just do it, bro. Just do it. Like, it's us versus them. And Darius is conflicted right there on the spot. But you don't see that when you're, you know, In the being first drowned. Without yeah. Them. Yeah. Um, so let's Hilda you stopped at 43 Mm -hmm. why uh well that's actually my first note why why did we have to get this Mm -hmm. part of me part of me is glad that this wasn't included in book nine oh my god and parts of it weren't included in book eight although I'm not gonna lie if they had taken out a bunch of shit in book eight like the stuff that was happening at Zodiac and actually gave us Darius's perspective when yes. he was on Beyond the Veil, I think that would have landed better because one yep. of the things about book eight, in addition to like some of the extra stuff that was in there, was really missing Darius and not getting him until like the end of the book when Tori's bringing him back. If they had done that, I think that would have been a whole lot better. Yeah, I agree. Um, I can't say that I'm disappointed because honestly, like I didn't care. Yeah, it was like care. I pre ordered because. That's what I do for a lot of these books, but I'm not quite sure why we have to get this. I also put, why are they doing this? Is it about the money? I don't I, know. I, I still, I know that this is the series that supposedly 
has allowed them to write full time. I don't necessarily think it's about the money. We've always known that they have a lot of crazy thoughts and they have a lot going on in their head. And I go back to, you know, my earlier sentiment that this is like their groundbreaking series. And for whatever reason, they feel the need to just any idea that they have about it, they just include it. But it's like, no, ladies, you can honestly keep that idea and put it in another book. Yeah. To this day, I still don't understand why we have the Guildstones. Like I told you guys, when Darcy and Lance go into like that weird tiny music box thing, yes. mm-hmm. and then out pops the opal or whatever. Oh, I remember. I said this on the recording, and I said I thought this as soon as it happened. I was like, oh, the Guildstones are still a thing. Yeah, even in this, it's not. And I I read the whole thing. I'm not fully clear what the Guildstones are supposed to do. Apparently help. That's what Asriel said. Help. They're going to help. But like, how? See, I I thought this would start actually connecting all of those missing pieces. Because remember, there's still a lot that needs to happen in this last book that I'm very concerned that it's not going to happen. You have to wrap up the the stones. We have to get the curse with Darcy. The curse with Darcy is done. Just kidding. Get Lance? Who are we finding now? I, I don't know what the Guildstones have to do with anything. You know, now we're oh, dealing yeah, and with Clyde, Claudinius, Claudinius, Clydinius. Yeah. Now this is bringing Lionel. back memories. I totally forgot where we left off. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's very Thanos Power Stone feeling here. And I'm like, I, I still feel like there's a lot missing, even at the ending of this book. But I'm like, there's 12. And I think we have like six, maybe. I, well, don't the Zodiac people have six? Who are the Zodiac people? Doesn't doesn't Lance himself have six? I Does don't know. Does he have six? He has six. Okay. All right. So six more to go. He's got six. Uh, just, I uh, okay. So, I don't know what's happening. See, I, okay. So like book seven, I would agree to it even said that it wasn't for just the money. Like this was truly their baby. And it's, you know, their creative process. They're the authors. Put whatever, write whatever you want. Like I was going down that bandwagon. I was like, I don't care what mm-hmm. anybody sells. I love them. Uh, nothing they can do is ever wrong. I will eat their stuff. Like read their stuff immediately. Eat that shit up um and then book eight happened things took a turn in book eight yeah i was like are we what's going on here and then when i started seeing your reviews for the books like your like hot takes as that you're reading it i was like why am i going to put myself through this i could not bring myself to read it this book so bridget didn't (laughs) bridget didn't all right so let's you know our thoughts it's I mean, it's not, this was not the best one. This is not, not the book I would say to, for everyone to dive into for Zodiac. I'd say this is one, this is the, the frost and starlight of this, but even that, this is no work comparison, but if you're going to skip one, skip this one. Uh, So let's talk about what actually happened in this book. That was an excellent, excellent analogy. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anything in this book though, that is worthy, like the end of Frost and Starlight when you had that scene with like Cass and Nessa? Uh, so something happens at the end, and this is like a blind reaction because you guys haven't gotten there yet. So something happens at the end that I think sets us up for book nine. And I'm not, I'm just being vague right now because I want to get through some of the things you have to okay, get okay. through. And then I want to hear live reactions as I'm saying it. So th- there's some things that happen. I don't think it was as monumental of a revelation as maybe the one you would have gotten in like Throne of Glass and Tower of Dawn. When you're reading that separate side quest of a book and you get this huge like revelation that happens, this is not as huge. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about the world. What is beyond the veil? So the veil is where 
the living have passed on into this heaven-like place. But it's not their final resting place because at any point, should they not feel tethered to their family or a cause on, on earth with the living or on earth, wherever they are, what's it, their, whatever their cause is with their living, they can pass on to, and I forgot what they called it, but I'm calling it like the great beyond. Basically, this big sparkly door opens that lures them in and like that is it. Once you go through that door, you lose your final consciousness. You lose your ability to peek back in on your relatives and your descendants. And that's it. Your memory ends. It's, a, you know, the Twisted Sisters like to borrow from Disney a lot. And I think they kind of borrow from Coco, the, the classic Disney Coco, where the dead in that book um, tend to be forgotten. And once they're forgotten, like they kind of like poof, disappear. So it's a similar concept. So once they're kind of being forgotten on earth or wherever they are, the living are forgetting them, that draw to the great beyond door becomes very, very strong. And you see some of the characters really battle with that as they fight to stay there to be able to look in on their families. So there is a room called the Great Orb, the Room of Knowledge, and this is kind of like a big viewing area. So everyone who's in the Vale can pop over there and see what are happening on the great events with their descendants. So when Darius crosses over, everyone who greets him is like, we saw what happened for the great battle. Everyone was here watching. So you have people that you know, it's like they're, they're just popping in to see what's happening. I think the message is tailored to that person and their descendants. Anyway, so the great orb and the room of knowledge, everyone can watch the living. It's also sort of like a dorm experience where everyone has their own individual rooms they can go back to. So Hale and Marissa have sort of like their eternal palace throne room kind of room. Asriel Orion has his... His room looks like his dorm would have done at, at Zodiac Academy. So everyone's got like their own little spaces they can retreat to. And as they are in the veil, they can feel pulls and tugs and they are whisked away to be with their family as like they need them, call for them or think of them. Yeah, I think that's it from the world building. Any questions on that part? Because Bridget, you're the one who... I did read the part about like the, the grand orb center where people come and go to view more of what their family is doing and their family friends and at one point they had commented about like how some people are just sitting in the chairs and they end up staying there and they kind of just like look like zombies anyone else got flashbacks to halloween town in the first movie where um they're staying in the movie theater they're they're sitting in the movie theater and they're like basically mummified because caliber is like doing something i don't even remember what he was doing i've never seen halloween town oh my gosh held up that's immediately what i visioned i was like all right cool halloween town but that's all i have comments for because but i'm interested to see what happens next continue when you're ready yeah yeah so that's yeah basically everyone's just watching and that's another line where i'm like this is a throwaway like do i need to know these people are stuck here watching their people and they kind of forget who they are no i don't know it doesn't matter there's no there's no reason for me to know this so that's what's happening in the veil. They can look down from the room of knowledge. They can also kind of go back and interact with their people like in as they're living through life. So an example of this is anytime that uh, Tori feels stressed or she's really missing Darius, he comes back and he can kind of push his ghostly power into her little ruby necklace and like warms it. So as you're reading book eight, that happens quite often. And that's when he's there feeling his presence. She's like, I can feel his presence or I can feel like my mom's presence. That's when they are there with them. They can also just watch the events happening like from above. God, that was side of shit. <laughs> All right, let's talk about who's in the veil. Uh, we have Darius. So Darius dies in the end of book seven and is resurrected and the book end of book eight. And so 
His experience in here is fresh after book seven, and he is desperate to get back to Tori. We have Hale and Marissa. So we know that they have been watching over the twins from the beginning, as we've seen like the winged footprints through the Eternal Palace. They are always with their children and with Gabriel, but not as much. I think we see it more with the twins. Um, we have Asriel Orion, who is Lance Orion's father. We have, and this is also, I thought, who was interesting there. We have Marcel, who is the father of Gabe. So you remember Gabe. And Gabe, uh, Hale is not Gabe's biological father. Marissa had like a one night stand with him before a big battle. Marcel died. It was when they were doing their Valdrakian marriage ritual thing. Yeah. Where they have like a Hunger Games competition. Yeah. It was a one time thing. One time thing. Marcel died. Well, yes, Marcel died. The next day. So we have Marcel. And then we, of course, we also have Catalina Hamish and then Hamish's first wife, whose name I forget. And I'm like, is it notable? Florence? Yeah, Flowey, I think was the name or nickname. It was Florence, Flory. Either way. So like, she's there. She's not important. She pops in. I mean, she's Geraldine's mom. She's Ger- Yeah, she's Geraldine's mom. And she's very happy to have, to have Hamish have found Catalina. We also have an important person is Felicia Knight. Felicia Knight is the great, I'm assuming great, great grandmother of present day Leon Knight. Somehow, I'm not sure of the greatness levels, but Leon Knight's ancestor. So those are, that's the places. These are the people. Let's get into what happened. All right. So we're going to keep this as high level as possible because a bunch of random shit happens in this book. And it's a lot of overwriting with little random plot points and funny things here and there. It's just like, you don't, you don't need to know. So here's what actually happened. So in the beginning... Darius realizes he's dead and there's a first there's a lot of couple chapters there's a couple pages on this I think maybe the first two or three chapters on this where he's coming to grips with his own death and who he's seeing in the beyond so he sees Hale and Marissa he sees his mom and Hamish and he's like what happened to you and there it's actually very sad I think I told you guys I'm like why am why did I start this in the waiting room at the doctor's office because I'm like mm-hmm. getting all misty eyed trying to like you know keep it together as they go each person is relieving the grief of knowing that they died Darius is super sad that his mom died. She's super sad that her son died. Hale and Mercer are super sad that they died because of Tori. You know, it's this whole thing. I will say Hamish did tell um, Darius that he was proud of him. And I was oh, like, okay, hey. that's very sweet. Your mm-hmm. like, stepdaddy loves you because your real daddy's an asshole. I know. And like, so this is, this is the pulling on the heartstrings. So I was like, oh, book eight. Okay, let's go. Eh. So from that point on, it goes a little bit downhill. So... Time is weird in the veil. So why they're there, there's a lot of jumping back to scenarios in book eight. Thankfully, it's there's some we miss, some we don't we don't get to see, so it helps speed things up a lot. Darius tries to check in on Tori a lot. She sees that she's grieving, he's hurt, he's called down to be with her a lot. And again, he forces his ghost power into her necklace and feel it warm. We read that a lot on that side, so like that happens quite a lot. Um, so that's where that's the one time we're gonna talk about it. Basically, everyone's mission at this point is to be able to help their family members. Because remember, they haven't passed the great door. So we have Marcel, who's trying to help Gabriel. We've got Hale and Marissa, who are trying to help Hale, Gabriel. Um, Gabriel, Tori, and... Darcy. Darcy. I kept wanting to call her Gwendolina, because in this book, they kept calling her Gwendolina, and I'm not over the fact that they named this poor girl Gwendolina. Like, it's a stupid name. I'm sorry. Gwendolina. And they're all trying to help them escape the curse, which is the curse of the fallen star from Claudinius. Asriel believes that if they can help them reform the Zodiac Guild, they can twist fate in their favor. And he funnels his time into researching 
So he researches all that he knows in the stones, which eventually leads them to Felicia Knight. Now, if you're wondering, like, you're dead, you can't really do much, but like, blow a page of a book to turn around. Like, that's, this is a problem they deal with. So even though they have this knowledge, it's the how are we going to tell everyone about it becomes the problem. So Asriel's research leads them to Felicia Knight. She takes them into a memory of her days at Zodiac, and we learn the origin story of King's Hollow, which is tied, actually, to the Guildstones. So a couple things here. This is a deep memory, and it spans oh God, so many deep. pages. And many chapters. And there's a lot of fluff and crap you don't need to know. I think this is the part. This is probably about where you dipped out because I was struggling. This is where I dipped. This is where I dipped. Because I was just like, well. And And mind you, I do want to say I did not read the book. I listened to it. Okay. Because I couldn't even find my, I couldn't find that I could read it. I feel like listening you to know, it would have been you harder. You know that I only, you know that I only like read. I know. But for me to listen to something, it's saying a lot. And so it's it's funny. So Felicia brings in Hale and I think Darius and Azrael. Maybe it's just Hale and Azrael into this memory with her. And he, even he is like, "Why do I need to read all this? Why do I need all this backstory?" And you, the reader, are also like, "Yes, why?" Why, if he's questioning it, why am I, why do I also have to question it? So this takes him into backstory. Now this is cool because I love a callback and we're able to see like past descendants. So Felicia Knight is in her Zodiac Academy time and she's best friends with a couple other cast members, people that you may know. So she's obviously a descendant of, or Leon Knight is her descendant. Uh, Wilbur Gruz, what was I saying his name? Gruz? Gruz, Gruz, Gruz. So Wilbur Gruz is there, also a descendant of Geraldine. Birdie Kane. Now, Kane, is that from where? Like, why? I couldn't put my finger Kane on where Kane is, is from. The name of the it's from, uh, prison um, guard uh, in. From Darkmoor. From Darkmoor and from Zodiac. Okay. I was thinking it was like, it was Ryder's second in command, the second vampire, but I don't think that's right. No. That's Ethan that's Shadowbrook. Ethan Shadowbrook. Okay. Wow. I don't know why I thought it was Ethan is a wolf. Yeah. Okay, anywho, so you've got uh, Birdie Kane, she's a vampire, Marigold Kipling, so I was like, a Kipling is in this? This is interesting. And then someone named Ren Imani. Now, we don't have a callback, I think, for his last name. I couldn't find one. I don't remember it. If there is one, maybe there is. I didn't, to be fair, I didn't really look that hard. There is mention of him going to the Waiting Lands, which I think is supposed to be the new series that they're doing. So maybe when- Oh, okay. Because he does build like a kingdom up at the end of all this giant long-ass memory. But basically, they are the outcasts of Zodiac Academy for various reasons, and they are constantly bullied. Uh, One of their biggest toward mentors is a, a- basilisk who we may know the last name of but her name is isla draconis so presumably some kind of relative to Ryder draconis who we know from ruthless boys so felicia knight is looking to prove herself and she decides she wants to steal the guild stones from the vega queen this is part of in a crown and she really her family has kind of outcasted her because she's like they're like you're not famous enough you can't do anything for us and she doesn't get Christmas presents. Like, she can't go home. Like, it's this whole big crazy thing. That's super sad. It is super sad. And so she's a line shifter who has, like, shift fright, I think they kept saying it. So, like, she couldn't shift at the right time and she gets bullied by the other line shifters. So she really needs to prove this to herself and to her family that she is someone to be reckoned with. So she decides to steal the guild stones from the Vega Queen and listen to help of her friends, of course, and this very Ocean's Eleven-y heist. 
where they steal the stones and then replace the stones with fakes. Um, Why the Vega Queen is doing something. There's like a party or a coronation day or like the Queen's Jubilee, something like that. The power of the stones is so powerful that they have to take turns wearing them. This ends up corrupting Birdie Kane as she seeks revenge on her bullies and tortures Isla Draconis underground. Like she holds her underground for like three days. Everyone thought she was abducted and killed. She comes back like haggard, worn, doesn't know who did this to her. So because Birdie becomes way too obsessed with this, her actions uh, really are upsetting to the other friends and they decide to hatch a plan, an intervention to steal the stones back. This leads to an all-out brawl of power through this whole power battle that happens and they have to pretend to be other people to get it from her and it's very drawn out in true twisted sister fashion but they end up stealing the stones back and then they're as they're running for their lives felicia uses her earth magic to create a safe haven for those that are worthy of the stones because she's thinking birdie is not worthy to wield these stones therefore she won't be able to get here and in the process builds this massive treehouse which becomes king's hollow named for the first letter of the last name of each of the friends so then you've got um kipling kipling imani, imani. knight gruss so there you go the origin story of king's hollow became from the the, the so unnecessary the it so was nice i appreciate the callback to these ancestors what i just read was probably like i don't know 100 pages of this memory Anyway, also there's like a, a love interest with Ren Amani, and it's just like, it's unnecessary for this point. I'm assuming they're setting up like what you said, Hilda, for the next story with the Wasted Lands or Wanting Lands or whatever the heck it is. Um, So looking to protect the power, protect the world from the power of the Guildstones, and they know so many powerful families in the past have fought and killed to get these these stones. Um, Felicia ends up calling on the power of the stones to create... um to wield magic that would create and protect the boxes. And because her father burned her music box when she couldn't have Christmas and like wasn't worthy enough for Christmas gifts, she un- you know unknowingly ended up crafting music boxes for each guildstone. So this is the the music box that Lance and Darcy go into that was like fucking weird because of this. So each of the stones go into the four boxes. Each of the friends takes a music box to protect, knowing that they're booby-trapped, and they're a little more safer than wearing them around themselves. Um, Birdie is still wild and hungry for the boxes and the power it gave her, and she kidnaps Marigold Kipling. And this actually was very sad, because she kidnaps and kills her, and, like, drowns her in dirt and, like, kept her in her closet. And Birdie is then stealing students from Zodiac Academy and like forcing them into the box and because they can't figure out the box they ended up dying in there and which is why when Darcy and Lance go in there there's all these like old fey bones in there because these are the souls of people that got trapped and when they free the stone like all these souls go back to the veil so it was a little little dark there also love this because I love a weird ass Kipling like we know our Kipling bros love a what well, one of them middle Kipling loves cake our girl Marigold likes trees and her oh. friends are all like, how does that work? And she's like, a lot of grinding, but I found one branch has it. One oak has a particular branch that's good for penetration. And everyone's like, I don't need to know anymore. Oh, my oh God. God. I don't need to know. God, a weird-ass Kipling. And the whole time I was trying to figure out, I'm like, oh, is this like Grandma Kipling? But no, she died. So not Grandma Kipling. Maybe like great, great, great Aunt Kipling. Yeah. But good to know. It's just like the weirdness just comes down. And there, there's... promulgates. Would you know that there's a term for that, being into trees? Because she said it. And I was like, what's that? And I Googled it. And I was like, oh, no. 
And then they explained <laughs> it like two minutes later. And I was like, oh, no. They. This reminds me of there's this lady that's apparently married and she's been married to like a carnival ride for years and years. What? It's a thing. Oh, my God. People that are like turned on by objects. Yeah. So cake, trees, you know, what, what have you. If it's not hurting anyone. Ugh. Who am more I to power, yum? Your yum. More you know? power to you. Yep. Um, okay. So, so did the queen not try to get the stones back from them? So yeah. So she was super pissed. She didn't know who did it. It was a true heist. Like the power went out and it kind of shifted this stuff. So she didn't know who did it. They just knew that they were missing eventually and that they were pissed. Mm. So there's like a whole manhunt that happens. So disgusted that Marigold and trying to avenge her friend that Marigold was died, Felicia teams up with Isla Draconis who uses her basilisk powers to warp Bordy's mind and she uses the basilisk powers to also camouflage her to act as Felicia because in Bertie's rage after they stole the stones back from her, she let it leak that it was Felicia who uh, stole the stones. So now Felicia is like, okay, bitch, uno reverse. You were going to be me. You're going to take the fall for this and go to uh, Darkmoor. And so she uses Isla to make and implant false memories. And Felicia's family is thrilled that she's so famous now. They're putting a statue up in their house. They're giving her all the Christmas presents. Everyone's happy. So that's kind of the end. <laughs> and she becomes this famous legendary thief that then goes on with all her, her family members after that. Um, of course, she has a pride and she meets all of them throughout these adventures. That's what you need to know. Now, I just want to shift over to Marcel. So Marcel is Gabriel's dad. And let me just say, he is not who I thought he would be. So I pictured him to be this powerful, strong being that was so powerful, kind of like Marissa's equal. Like where Hale's kind of her equal, but like also more strong-headed like Darius. I thought he'd be like this bad, like a Rowan or like a Asriel. You know what I mean? From the other series we read. He is just kind of sad in this book. Like he's sad, he's mopey, he's kind of dopey a bit. Like Hale makes fun of him a lot. And it's because I think Gabriel doesn't know who he is. He died before he ever met him. Mm-hmm. So like Gabriel's memories or thinking of him, his biological father, are really waning. So his call to that great beyond door is very strong. There's a couple times when Hale has to like begrudgingly grab him back because of course Hale is still jealous that he had a one night stand with Marissa and she's like, that's years ago. And like he just pops over and he's like, hey guys, what you doing? And they're like, what the hell, man? Where'd you come from? And so I don't like the the way that they treated him as like some dopey figure. I thought he could have been something that was more... He sounds like a shaggy of the group. Yeah, he was the shaggy of the group. And I was like, why did I do my man like that? Because that's not Wasn't he like a warrior? And He was. I didn't get the the little that I read. I didn't get the shaggy vibe. I just got that Hale was unnecessarily jealous of him. Yes. So tried to make him stupid. I got more of Hale, your childishness is beneath me. So... So he was just rolling with the punches and yep, letting it come off his shoulder, of. but he kind of came off yeah. as just like a, a, a yeah. there character but versus he, like a personality. Correct. He did slap Hale in the face a few times with his wings, which was very Gabriel. And I will say that I, I love appreciated, that. Yeah, I appreciated that. That is a good call. I will say I appreciated that as well. I just wish he had more of the the gusto that we know from that comes from Gabe because that's part of who he is. Look, girl, you know, I know you, you're just looking for an alpha male. You know what? He reminded – I wouldn't say shaggy. He was a little bit of a himbo. Yeah. 
Yeah. Really? But like a sad himbo. Like Cass seems yeah. a himbo, but like he was kind of just like a mopey, like. He was like a himbo yeah, depresso. A himbo he's depresso. Dragged, he's getting dragged into the great beyond because there's no one to tether him to yeah. the veil because the people that knew him are forgetting him. And the only person available is Gabe, and Gabe doesn't know him. So that was kind of sad. That was sad. Um, And Hale does, like, you know, Gabriel thinks of Hale often. So in a moment of. Of like you know I'm feeling bad for this guy he drags Marcel over to him when Gabriel's being held by Vard in the seeing chamber and they, he like puts his hand and he's like I'm here for you my boy and like you feel Gabriel's tension release and so like that was a sweet moment where Hale was like Marcel is you know your actual father you should see your son more often um so that was that was that um Hale and Darius have macho men standoffs throughout it all so I, to me, they are the same character. They were written in the same exact font. Like it's the same person. One's just older, one's just younger. And you can't even tell who's like the more mature. Like he's not like a more mature king. He's just like, they're, they're the same person. I, I don't think got the same vibe, Hilda. A couple of times. So I thought it was kind of funny that they're the exact same person and they're act the same way. It did get a little tiring after a while. At first I thought it was kind of funny though. What I did say was I... Hale, Hale was just, he's immature. Yeah, I didn't like Hale, and I wanted to like Hale. I did not like him. I, we like Marissa a lot, I think. Yes. But Hale is, Hale's a little, he's a little petty. No, I'm glad you said this because, you know, we have seen Hale as, like, this cruel leader. And so I was really hoping, whenever I got around to actually reading this book, that he would have, this would have been, like, his redemption book. You know, where you get to see him, how he would have been as a leader, not Hale from Zodiac Academy. That was a bully. Yeah, he he. I can say he's very much Darius. Where Darius is strong and immature, he's the same person. There are glimpses where he is like the doting father, and he really does care about his kids, and he's so worried about them. There's some flashbacks to when the the girls were little that he like reminisces on. But I just I felt like they they didn't develop him enough. They just made him like Darius 2.0. So that is. That is Hale and Darius. Eventually, Hale does come around to Darius and is like, I'm proud that my daughter, like, I'm proud to call you a Vega. I, I I anoint you now as a Vega. And then even Darius is like, well, I've always been a Vega because obviously. And then finally, he's like, oh, you're accepting me into this family. I get it now. This is stupid. But yes. Um, so let's talk about the, we get various various Darius POVs where he's going back to see Tori as she's called throughout very com- you know various conversations she has with people when she has one with Rosalie and she's like I'm a moon wolf like I see certain things and like you kind of think and you see um you're led to believe that Rosalie sees Darius in the room when she's having the conversation with Tori about I think you can get back and you have to just look mm-hmm. and here's like the book and Darius is like do you see me do you see me and she's like I'm a moon wolf. I see things, but like not like directly not answering him, but answering him in a way. So maybe that's more to come from the Darkmoor series and what a moon wolf actually means for Rosalie. So we get the Darius POV in the sexy time with Tori when she goes to the witches to sort of relieve and have that connection. And like I said earlier, he does a playlist of like their greatest bangs. And like, that's, that's what we see. That's what Tori's so, pulled what into. What was his number one greatest bang? Oh, what was the first one? I think it was like their wedding, like, like the most recent so, time that they did it. So there's one scene where he like replicates himself. Oh um, my god, I that magic. That. And so, so he's he's Eiffel Towering her himself. Yes. So you get this, you get this scene 
which I think is the most recent one that had happened or like we didn't read it in the first books, but it's one of the ones that had happened after they got back together and they're All on the run as rebels. Fucking yes. in the burrows. This was one of those times. This is one of those times where, yes, he uses his power to replicate himself. So, yes, he's Eiffel Towering her from both Is that sides. the correct term? Yeah, it is. They didn't high five, but like, yeah. <laughs> wait, I need to actually read this part. Wait, wait. <laughs> like, wait I think no. we're making it sound better than it was. <laughs> so, I told you that I listened to this. And so, so terrible. I couldn't enjoy this because, so I didn't buy the Audible. I just had Alexa read to me. Alexa does not say the word pussycat. She doesn't say pussy. No? No. What does she say? She says pussy as in (laughs) (laughs) So the amount of times I use the P word in this scene. And the amount of times she's like, it's pussy. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Oh my nothing, gosh! Nothing sexy about a about a purulent wound, so I couldn't even enjoy the scene because she kept mispronouncing it. That's really funny. Oh gosh! Oh, her pussy was wet. <laughs> her pussy was clenching. reading this like listening to this at work and being like what what <laughs> is clenching oh god oh god i laugh so hard i cry <laughs> oh my god that is something and that is not the way to experience it it's really not yes you do have this that scene where he double penetrates her with himself and she's into it so hey. you know, go for you they also did butt stuff oh, well, he did obviously have he did have lube yeah a plus 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 yep <clears throat> yeah uh, he was good to go there. Oh, we also get this part I thought was funny. So as you're a dead person, you can get called back to the living and then come to your mind. And when Tori runs off to go resurrect Darius and Caleb goes to Tori's room and he finds her there. And then Seth comes in. He's like, why are you looking for her? You're going to like rub one off on her tits and she's not here. Seth being all jealous. And Dar- Darius is called back. He's like, hey, my bros. And this is the scene where they get into their, like, tit-for-tat sexual tension in Tori's room. Oh, yes. But Darius doesn't – hasn't seen the buildup. And he just thought, thought he was hanging out with his bros. And he's like, hey, that's, like, a weird way to talk to him. Wait, why are you, why are you growling at him on his neck? Wait, wait, wait a minute. What are you doing? And so, like, this was funny to read. And then he's like, oh, my God. He's like, he couldn't get called back to the veil. And he's like, I'm stuck here. I'm stuck here. And he's hearing all the sounds and the moaning. And then Marissa, like, hears his pleas of, like, please, dear God, someone bring me back. And she's like, what's happening? And he's like, and here's my mother-in-law seeing my two best friends doing it from behind on my wife's bed like this is just not what i was planning for wait that's actually a funny scene i might want to actually, that's a, that I was a funny one to read because he was just so oblivious he's like oh you got that tattoo it looks good and like they're like sexy talking and he's like yeah but like just ask him who did the ink like why are you asking him these stupid questions like it's just it's funny to see him come in from it from as a bro not realizing like there's a bro like an actual romance so uh that's that was kind of funny read that yeah, then he finds, like, I guess, like, a dragon dong, and it's his, and then he's even more mortified. Like, you know, like, one of those, like, um, like oh, silicon. Oh, it's one of the ones yeah. That, yeah. that Washer gave her. Yes, yes. No, this one Geraldine gave her because she was, uh, was telling Tori that it's like, 
okay to like miss your husband but like you can get the same thing and she gifts it to her yeah so then he's even more mortified that like it's there and she's like what is that and he's like don't it doesn't matter don't look at this (laughs) and so that was that was kind of funny to read so from there on out you get a lot of this Going back and forth between the two realms. Oh, this person's calling me. I got to go to Darcy. This person's calling me. I got to go back to Tori. You know, Tori is summoning the dead Why she tries to find her sister. And we have to protect her because she's so close to dying when she actually does like that weird like corn husk voodoo doll ceremony that she does. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. That and so like, there's a lot of coming back and forth. So when, you know, Asriel goes to sit with Lance when he's on death's bed and Stella comes in to save him and so like that was a nice exchange because Asriel is still so mad at Stella for what he did but he sees and respects what she ends up doing to save them and so when she crosses over to the veil he's like I see you thank you for what you did for our boy but like I'm very angry with you and she's like yeah I get that and then she you know moves on also worth noting that if you are a terrible person you don't go to the veil or to have the option to go to the great beyond you get like sucked down this river to like hell basically so mm-hmm. she didn't With go the there monster. which yes which Asriel remarks like this must have been her redeeming quality that ended up saving her from going down that fate i told you the hunter pays the price hunter pays the price yes so there's a lot of those situations where we're being called back and trying to help where we can to like guide them away from the nymphs as they attack the castle and you know warn them that someone's coming by knocking something over so that brings us back to the point where tori is coming back to get darius he has met with like a witchy woman on the side of the veil who's like doesn't think he can go back without paying a price um and then tori you know marches through hell to come back and get him and because she's marching through the heavens or hell whatever i called it this bridge to get back to him the others in the veil are have to fight against the dead who would come back through this rip that they're they've made and the stars are furious about this like truly furious but they understand the gravity of the situation that if these dead folks come back through like it's everyone's fucked so they arm them all with these knights and armors and everyone gets suited up and they go battle to keep them at bay which we again heard about a little bit in book eight as that's happening when she goes to get him out i don't think there's any big revelations there so like she gets him out they come back he does the heartbeat thing he's like oh my god what and then he's back. So then that brings us back to the battle at Zodiac where Darius is back and he's helping his brothers and the friends and everyone's there. And I think you guys will remember in book eight, there's a part where just like a blue and red crown of flames appear. So mm-hmm. actually this is the on the flip side, on the veil side, this, the, the, the stars are telling Marissa and Hale, like they're doing so good. This is your time to be with your girls. There's like some riddly rhyming thing that happens. Like, go crown them. So they go down. Vale crowns Marissa, or Marissa crowns Tori. Vale crowns Darcy. I forgot who crowns who, but basically that's why those crowns appear and they place it on their heads. And when the whole school bows to them, why that is so symbolic and they're so happy to see that their queens have truly risen up. So at this point, it is a massive celebration for everyone in the Vale. They're like, we got them crowned. We stopped the dead from coming over. Everyone's super happy and jazzy. And then a star falls. So this is what I this is where I would say this is the the one thing you'd probably need to know that'll set you up for book nine okay. is that a star falls at the very end. And you remember when a star falls, there's an immense amount of power that comes down with it. So as the star Can't falls, those fuckers just stay in the sky. Like why do they keep falling? So Apparently originally not. when I'm reading this, I thought this was supposed to be helping them. Like this is gonna fall to the twins. This is what's going to help them. It doesn't. It lands basically right where 
Lavinia, Lionel, the Dragon Guild, because remember he guardian bonded all those dragon assholes to him. Vard and Therix are kind of like all within the vicinity. They see it go down. They go over to it. Remember, the star is too powerful to touch. So Lavinia reaches out with the shadows that she has left to kind of suck up all the power that comes from that. And so that's where it kind of ends, where like she's getting juiced up from from the the power. And of course, the stars are like, this is not what we intended. And they're like freaking out about it. And Marissa's freaking out. Vale's freaking out. Everyone's freaking out. They're like, this is, this is going to be bad. We'll just have to hope and pray. And of course, they see the twins go into Cladinius's lair after they get crowned. They get kind of sucked away and they see them get trapped there. So again, again, the book ends with things being, you know, the, the odds are stacked up against them again. And I it just feels say, like, can we not just keep making it worse for them? Like they keep having all these freaking things they got to fight. And it's just like I'm tired of end. seeing Lavinia juiced up again. I'm tired of seeing Lionel amped up. Like just – Send it already. Just end it. You could have ended it with the stars coming down to save them. They escape Cladinius's clutches because the star launch, you know, launches, launches, lands by them. That's how they get juiced up to break the court curse. Like that's that's where it could have ended. Now we have three people to defeat. Yes. Still. Still. As we because we thought maybe they were tamed down when the when Darcy, you know, sucked all the shadows or cut off her access to the shadows. Now it's just like, well, game on again. Your baddie's been juiced up and 100% power level. So that's annoying. That's annoying. That's where it ends. That's what you need to know. So I think I'm going to go read the weird Darius sexy time. Plus the Darius walks in on Caleb and Seth. Yeah. I'll try to find them for you. It's definitely past the 50% mark, I believe. I think I'm just going to like use the search function and just type in Seth. You know, I think I'm just going to skip over the whole, like, memory blast from the past with the knights and all that stuff. Yeah. you Like, I just – I took the best parts of that for you to give you because it was so much overriding because you have this whole love situation between Ren and Felicia. And it does turn out to be something. So I guess I, suppo- I suppose I should mention that he is actually power shamed. His dad is power shamed, so that's why he's lumped into the outcasts. So when he graduates, he wants to make a new name for himself and goes to the Wanting Lands, where eventually he does and builds like a callous empire of himself. And she has her own empire. And like they always sort of still met up in life and now they still meet up in death. So if that's where their next book takes them, that's the setup. You need to know. Okay. But a lot of that was, really was drawn out. a very few bullet points for us. 600 500 page book yeah it just it has it it had no business existing no i you know if i would love to believe that this is something they thought should have been in book eight or should have been in book nine and pulled out but i don't i think they wrote it had so much fun writing it they're like we can't put this in book nine this is too much to put in it's 500 pages we love it these characters so much let's pull it into a bridging a bridging novel because that a real thing i know that's what they started calling it but i've never heard that term before no it's a novella can't be a novella though it's too fucking long too fucking long yes and so this is i don't want to say this is where i start to turn on zodiac but it's getting you're making it real hard for me to really love you and to suck you up like i used to you know after the last book i was already like half 75 percent over it i'm not again i'm not i wasn't expecting this so i don't really care about it but i am i am ready for zodiac to end yep i still stand by the first six books, a lot of the criticism of the sisters like still stands, but the first six books are really good. The seventh, Agreed. I don't put in that category because it just breaks your heart so much. Yeah. 
I didn't really love the seventh. I think the seventh was when I started not having a great time. And it wasn't because I wasn't hurt because I'm fine with feeling all the emotions. But the seventh book, I wasn't loving the entire storyline. And then eighth book, I was just like, yeah, not a good time. To me, with the seventh book, the reason I didn't enjoy it was because I was expecting something terrible to happen the entire book. If somebody had told me, enjoy the first 90%, I would have been like, okay, probably would have liked it. Because we had my, you know, the Darcy Lance Elysian mate moment, which I thought was Mm -hmm. so great. Tori and Darius fucking all the time. Like, even the whole thing with, like, Avalon didn't bother me. It was very questy. Very questy, yes. I think it was very uh, segmented. You had the Avalon section, you had the Elysian mate section, you had, you know what I mean? Uh, but there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that went on in that book when you actually start to, you know, backtrack it, which is what we said this, like 600 times as we read it. The series doesn't feel like it's not what we started. It feels completely different. Yeah. It feels like something totally different. And I just, I was okay with it being they're at an academy, the twins need to get crowned, Lionel's an asshole. I, I wanted that to wrap up within itself. Like, I, mm-hmm didn't need this other like honestly like i don't need the clintonius plot no that's the one i was okay with the nymphs being their number one baddies you know yeah like i don't even need the guildstones the guildstones and the star just seem like too much when they first mentioned the imperial star i was like something doesn't feel right about this but i would have never imagined that i devolved into the the whole clintonius shit that's why it almost feels like they had a good idea when they started with it, and then it just took off, and they couldn't rein it, rail. I just bring it back in. I don't. Yeah, like I don't know why they keep. Like it is okay to have ideas, but you don't need to throw everything at a series. It feels like they had lots of ideas that they loved, and they're like, "We're just gonna throw them yeah. all in. It'll be fine. Everyone will love them." But no. But it's it becomes too much as a reader for you to have like a you know all the additional POVs we had in book eight. Like it was too much. And and this it was this too much too new much for stuff me to go in through. book eight for it to be the second so to last book in the, the series. Yes, yeah. and that's why people are pissed off because they're we're ready for it to wrap up. We're not going to get overwriting if you have to slam it all into one last book. The new POVs, all this stuff you're adding in, and it's just like the people have read eight, seven other books before this. We are ready for it to end. Like the overwriting and the extra POVs and stuff like that, and the add in a lot of humor was great the first couple of books because you needed it because the bullying was rough Mm -hmm. the heartbreak was hard and you're still getting to learn all these characters so it just adds to their depth if not you got a good chuckle out of it but not in the last couple of books i feel like they've reached their care like each character has kind of reached their their limit their limit and now we're just stuck like we're just stuck at each person you know geraldine's gonna say wild ass shit being geraldine max is still gonna swoon over her Darius is still going to be growly and possessive. Tori's still going to be a mean bitch. Darcy's still going to be moon-eyed over Lance. Lance is going to be moon-eyed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there, there's no changing that we need to account for. So, was this a nice review of this book? No, not really. But it's the truth. 
That's what happens. I really don't like that there's so many villains right now in the series. Like Again, to wrap it up in this last book, what, how many pages is this book going to be? It's going to have to be like another 850 pages. Watch. It's going to be end up being 1,500 pages. I was going to say, it's going to be like 957. They can only make it so many pages, though, because after a while, like Amazon won't ship it. I think at a minimum, it's going to be like 1,000, like they right can't, there. though. 1,000? However, however long... Um, Sorrow and Starlight is apparently that's how long their books are allowed to be and still have Amazon print them. Okay, so then not long. That's like eight hundred something, almost nine hundred. Good pages. lord! So. But again, like if this is a testament, this was six hundred pages, just under six hundred pages, and we got like a whole lot of nothing. So they better like really, really edit it down to the finer details that we need to know. I know. Well, all right, guys, that is it for us tonight to wrap up. Well, I guess Bridget, hold on before we wrap up. Reverse, reverse. Bridget, I know you said your thoughts. You're gonna go back to read those things. Are you happy you didn't read it or not happy? Yeah, I'm – I was going to just curse the entire thing. I am 100% happy I did not waste my time to read this because I could have done with the outline. The recap You're was welcome. good. So You're thank welcome. you. I appreciate it because if I had to sit down and read this entire thing, it would have gotten a fat-ass one star on Amazon from Bridget. And, said, and you know – The review has said, what the fuck is this? I took a peek before we recorded tonight. You know what the Goodreads score on this is? What? Two? So don't is tell it me it's high? four. 4.2. The fandom dies hard. They yeah. are ride or die. Yeah. And look, we're ride, but we're also dying a little bit. So I just thought it was interesting. You know, I did see some people on the Reddit theory and the Reddit Zodiac Academy group that were like, I'm over this. This is this is not. They're the same it's sentiments we just said. So I was very shocked to see such a high Goodreads score do you know how many reviews it was total oh i think it was like 500 something like it wasn't really? it wasn't a little actually star sorrow and starlight was 1200 pages right and yeah 1235 pages that's i remember it was a long, long one it's probably how long the so this is, is 4.2 stars with just over 2700 reviews yeah so color me shocked uh, fifty-one percent gave fifty-one percent gave it five stars. Twenty-five percent gave it four stars. The remaining was between your three. Fifteen percent gave it three stars. Two percent gave it five. Two percent gave it one star. Sorry. I'm all for hyping up authors that you love and like giving them that extra push, even if you don't one hundred percent love the book. But that's ridiculous for how crappy this book was. From there what you told me, is, so it has a four point six on Amazon. With 1,853 reviews, 71% are five star, 19 are four, seven are three, two are two, and they don't have a single one star. Did they like? Did they read the same book? The most recent, the most recent reviews. It's like, did you hear about the girl who lives in delusion? Yeah, me. I'm going to be dead rotting by the time we get an actual ending. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was good. Okay, so those, I mean, those are our very accurate thoughts and feelings, Hilda. I'm assuming you're also not sad that you didn't finish it, your first no. DNF in the Zodiac Academy series. I mean, am I going to be, the thing is, I don't consider. You don't consider yes, this canon. Can- this is not I part of it. I don't consider it canon because it's not, apparently it's not moving the story forward. I will go read the Darius and Seth scene, though, yeah, Caleb it was, and Seth It was scene. fun. It was interesting. It was a nice, interesting plot point in an otherwise boring scene. 
All right, guys. Well, that is it from us tonight with all of our thoughts and feelings on Beyond the Veil, book 8.5 from Zodiac Academy. If you guys have read it, I would love to hear from you on your thoughts on this. Did you feel the same way as we? Are we being overly harsh? Did you love it and we just missed something? Um, please slide into our DMs at booktalkmimi underscore pod. Hilda, if maybe you can put something up on Spotify for us to check out a question. Did you read it? We are also on threads. So if you're on threads, I had put a question up there. Did you guys read Zodiac Academy? What's your reaction to this newest book? Emoji reactions only. So you can always pop over an emoji there and see uh, how you stack up against our thoughts and feelings. Again, from us tonight, we're signing off and we'll catch you next time as we get into Unhinged Theories from the SJM universe. Bye. Bye. Bye.